Welcome to the Wrestling House Show. My name is Chris, and welcome back to my series of mini episodes covering New Japan Pro Wrestling's New Japan Cup 2018. As always, if this is your first time listening to one of these Wrestling House Show mini episodes, go back a few, go back to the March 9th episode where I covered night one of the New Japan Cup because this is a single elimination tournament. The first of New Japan Pro Wrestling's yearly tournaments, and this will decide one man out of 16 who will get the opportunity to challenge for one of New Japan's single titles, either the heavyweight title, the intercontinental title, or the never openweight title. And tonight I will be talking about night 6 of the New Japan Cup Tour. This is the second half of the quarterfinals. We've already seen Juice Robinson and Hiroshi Tanahashi make it to the semifinals, and the second semifinal matchup will be decided tonight on this show. The two main events for tonight's show are Sonata versus Toru Yano and Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. in the main event of the night. But before we get to those two semifinal matches in the New Japan Cup, we have a lot of tag team matches to get through, and before that, I will give you the stats for tonight's show. This mini-episode of the Wrestling House Show will be covering the March 15th event in the New Japan Cup 2018 Tour. It took place in Tokyo, Japan at Korakuen Hall at 6.30pm Japanese Standard Time, and 1,718 people attended the event. English commentary has returned to the New Japan Cup Tour. Kevin Kelly is on the call, and he is joined by David Finley after Finley has his tag team match early in the night. So Finley joins the commentary table for matches 3 through 7 tonight. But David Finley was in the first tag team match of the night. It was a Young Lions match featuring Young Lions Shota Umino teaming up with Tomoyuki Oka versus Young Lion Rin Narita and the former Young Lion David Finley. And I like the way this match was set up as far as the Young Lions match goes. Umino and Oka are definitely on the, I guess, upper echelon of the Young Lions. And Narita definitely seems like the junior within that group. So teaming up Narita with Finley made sense because it was the least experienced versus the most experienced versus the two guys that are in pretty good standing as far as the Young Lions go. And as a match, I enjoyed it. I think Oka really stood out from the Young Lion group. He looked good in there against everybody he faced. At one point, he even caught David Finley as Finley was jumping off the second rope at him and hit him with an overhead belly-to-belly suplex. It was pretty impressive, actually. I liked the interaction between Narita and Finley. Finley was taking very much control of the team, and at one point, he just called Narita over, and he had, I think it was Umino was down on the mat, and Finley called Narita over to him and just, like, body-slammed Narita down onto Shota Umino. So, in a little way, abusing the young lion, but at the same time, like, teaming up with him. So, it was it was pretty good. I liked it. But, of course, since David Finley is no longer a young lion, he is the person who got the victory. He ended up at the end of the match in the ring with Oka, and the two of them had a good back and forth. Oka actually got a whole lot of offense, but David Finley caught Oka with his Prima Nocta, his version of the stunner, and Finley pinned Oka to win the first match of the night. And then the second match of the night was Toa Hanare teaming up with Togi Makabe, who we're seeing for the first time on the New Japan Cup Tour, versus the team of Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. And this was a pretty good match. I enjoyed it okay. Uh, I wasn't super into it, but it was alright. I think some silly decisions were made by some of the participants in this match. Like, Yoshihashi went into the match with his shoulder taped up, 
and he decided it would be a good idea to test Makabe in a shoulder block challenge or something like where they bounce off the ropes and hit each other into the shoulder to try to make him fall over. And of course, it didn't go well because Yoshihashi is apparently nursing a shoulder. So that was kind of silly. And then Hanare got in the match a little bit later on. There was a breakdown. Hanare got beat up a bit. He got a little bit of offense here and there. But since Hanare was in the match and he was the least experienced out of everyone, he, of course, is the one that ended up the loser of the night. Yoshihashi ended up submitting Toa Hanare to a butterfly lock at the end of the match. So I guess Yoshihashi made up for his silly decisions early in the match by getting the victory for his team. So that was fine. I think Yoshihashi, he got knocked out of the tournament, the New Japan Cup. So it was it was fine. It was a fine match. I wouldn't go out of my way to see it, but it was it was fine. It was okay. But the next match, match number three of the night, I thought was very entertaining. It was the Suzuki-Goon team of Tai Chi, Takashi Izuka, and the Killer Elite Squad of Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer versus the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, Tangaloa, and Bad Luck Fale. And naturally, it started with a brawl. It started with an attack right at the bell, so everybody was fighting everywhere. And what seems to be a recurring theme, when the first two legal men got into the ring, which were Tangaloa and Davy Boy Smith. Tangaloa ended up spending the majority of the time legal in the ring getting beat up by the other team. But then after a while of that, after Loa had spent a lot of time getting beat up, he did manage to tag out to Yujiro Takahashi, who has been on a bit of a roll lately. He's been on fire in some of these tag matches. He was flying all over the ring. He did a pair of suicide dives out of either side of the ring. He basically took on the entirety of Suzuki-Goon, at least the four men that were in and around the ring, pretty much all by himself at one point in the match, which was interesting and kind of fun to see, because I don't always think of Takahashi as one of the main Bullet Club members, or even very much of a threat in any sort of situation. But in these last few matches, even though he got knocked out of the tournament too, he has seemed like it's fired him up a little bit, maybe. It was it was kind of cool to see. But late in the match, Lance Archer gets legal in the ring, and Archer was all over the place. He did get isolated a little bit, but Archer is just, like I said on the last episode, he's nonstop. Lance Archer did get the pin on Chase Owens after a killer bomb with the help of his killer elite squad partner, Davey Boy Smith Jr. And I did really like this match quite a bit. It was very entertaining. A lot of action, a bit chaotic, but that's kind of what you would expect from Bullet Club versus Suzuki-Goon. And speaking of Suzuki-Goon, they were in the next match as well. It was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru teaming up with the leader of Suzuki-Goon, Minoru Suzuki, versus Los Ingobernables de Japón members Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, and Tetsuya Naito. And we've seen Naito and Suzuki get into it a little bit on this tour so far, and this time Naito was managing to frustrate Suzuki early in the match. The two of them, Naito and Suzuki, started the match against each other, and Naito was doing his kind of usual thing, but he was able to stay away from Suzuki for a good part of the first part of the match, and Suzuki was getting visibly frustrated that he couldn't grab on to Naito and do terrible things to him. And that went on for a little while, actually, even when other members of both teams got tagged into the ring. And it seemed like Suzuki-Goon got just tired of the antics of LIJ, and they just started their required brawl for the match. They usually started at the beginning of the match, but this time it was brought on by frustration, so it, it had a little bit more meaning, I guess, maybe, if you can think of it that way. 
but that did shift the tide into the favor of Suzuki Goon in this match. And Suzuki Goon was maybe not out way ahead, but they seemed to have a lot of the advantage throughout at least the next portion of the match. There was a revisit of the bit where on a previous night of this tour, Naito had broken up one of Suzuki's holds by like spitting on him and just putting his foot on Suzuki's head until he let go of the guy that he had tied up in whatever move, usually a knee bar or something like that. But this time when Naito put his foot on Suzuki's head, Suzuki responded and he put Naito in a knee bar. So he kind of made Naito pay for it. So they each kind of revisited things from earlier in this tour and they each made the result a little bit different in their own favor this time. So I thought that was pretty interesting to see the development of the little feud starting to develop between Naito and Suzuki. Ultimately, after Minoru Suzuki did get isolated for a little while, he managed to isolate Bushi in the ring. It was just the two of them, and Suzuki was drawn out of his game a little bit. He was hitting a lot more strikes and things like that than he usually does, which you would think maybe would pull him out of his game, and it did a little bit, but it actually did end up working in his favor at the end. He got Bushi in a gotch pile driver and pinned Bushi. So two matches in a row tonight, Suzuki Goon is the winning team. And then that leads right into the final tag team match of the night. This was the team of Juice Robinson, Michael Elgin, and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the Chaos team of Chucky e. T, Tomohiro Ishii, and the IWGP heavyweight champion Kazuchika Okada, of course with Gato at ringside. And right from the start, Kevin Kelly was even saying it as the match was getting underway. The main draw of this match was seeing Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada in the ring against each other at the same time. And they teased that at the very beginning because it looked like Okada and Tanahashi wanted to start the match with each other. Okada said, I'm starting the match, and he pointed to Tanahashi. But Juice Robinson managed to convince Tanahashi to get out of the ring, so Robinson started against Okada. And that was actually, even though Okada versus Tanahashi was the main draw before the match, the main point of the match seemed to be tension between Robinson and Tanahashi. And it makes a lot of sense because Robinson and Tanahashi have both advanced in the New Japan Cup tournament. They will be facing each other in the semifinal match. And throughout this match, they didn't get along very well together. They did not work as a team very well. And Robinson even went as far as to purposely not tag Tanahashi when he could have. There was one point where Juice was in trouble. He was going to the corner. Both Elgin and Tanahashi had their hands out. Robinson was going towards Tanahashi, who seemed like he was maybe a little bit closer. But then he veered off to the left and tagged Elgin instead. And both Tanahashi and Robinson were doing blind tags to tag themselves into the ring when the other man was in the ring. Elgin was sort of caught in the middle, but he was basically like doing his own thing. So none of the three men really worked together, but Elgin after the match was trying to get them both back on the same page. But I think it worked out well, because they did deliver on Tanahashi versus Okada for a while, but when those two were in the match legal against each other for their sequence, which was very entertaining, Robinson was the one that broke it up. He denied the fans anything further, because Robinson tagged himself into the match, he ended up in the ring with Okada. It went on for a little while like that. Okada did eventually tag out to Chucky e. T, and Juice Robinson got the pin on Chucky e. T to win the match. So it was it was interesting to me. I liked the way that they built the tension for that match when it didn't seem like they had been building a lot of tension for Juice's matches prior to this. But this one, I mean, the semifinals is an important match. I don't really think that Tanahashi is going to lose, 
but having him and Robinson have this tension leading up to it makes it a more interesting match in my eyes. But the tag matches are now finished for the night, and the first of the quarterfinal matches was pretty interesting and kind of a lot of fun. It was a good culmination of what's come before. It was Toru Yano versus Sonata. And Sonata went into this match knowing exactly what Yano does in every match that he's in. Yano cheats, Yano low blows, Yano tries to cradle people, he pulls people's shirts over their heads so they can't see and they can't move. And so that's what Sonata did to Yano right at the bell. He pulled up Yano's t-shirt so it was over his head and he couldn't move his arms. And he got Toru Yano in a rolling cradle. So Sonata was rolling Yano around the ring for what seemed like forever. And he eventually went for the pin, and he didn't get it, but it was a good way to start the match. And it set the tone for the rest of the match, which was pretty much all about Yano doing everything that he's done up to this point on this tour to win matches, which includes low blows, countouts, and anything else he can think of. That's how he's won during this tour. That's what he did in this match. But Sonata, like I said, he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going on. So even though he might not have been a step ahead, he was aware of his situation and he was able to get back in the ring at 19. And he was able to, at one point after Yano hit Sonata with a low blow and rolled him up in a cradle, the referee, Marty Asambi, was counting to three and Sonata couldn't get to the rope and he couldn't kick out, but he put his hand out and he grabbed Marty Asami's hand so Marty Asami couldn't count the three. And so that's how he got out of that. So he had counters for... All of Yano's dirty tricks. It was a short match. It was under five minutes, I think. And Sonata, unsurprisingly, did win. He beat Toru Yano with his skull in submission. And Sonata will be going on to face the winner of the main event of tonight's show. It was the final match of the quarterfinals. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi. And if that sounds like a great match, it was a great match. I've kind of raved over Zack Sabre Jr. over these past few episodes. And I think it's very deserved. He was just as good as he's been this entire tour in this match. He drew Kota Ibushi into a Zack Sabre Jr. match. Which by that I mean that it was dominated by Sabre's technical expertise. And it was mostly fought on the mat. Ibushi was able to hang for a bit. He had some counters for some of Sabre's moves. And Ibushi did get some space and he did lay in some strikes. And he actually pulled Sabre into striking contests at different points in the match which was surprising and which was actually not a good idea for Zack Sabre Jr. But it was that little bit of blending of these two men's styles to the where they were pulling each other into each other's orbit, basically, and making them do things they're not used to, which kind of added tension for both sides. Ibushi wasn't able to hit big moonsaults like he's done in previous matches, but he was able to show his heart and his resilience by not giving up to Sabre and Actually, Kota Ibushi never gave up to Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. did end up winning this match, but he won the match because the referee, Red Shoes Uno, stopped the match. After a big series of submission holds and submission attempts, Sabre had Ibushi wrapped up in... It's hard to describe. He had one of his legs hooked under one of Ibushi's legs, and then he had both of Ibushi's arms pulled straight back from his back, almost like a, kind of like a Rings of Saturn position, at least for the way that Kota Ibushi was being twisted. But Sabre was still kind of free to adjust and do what he needed to do. And he just, he turned it over to where 
Ibushi's shoulders were actually down on the mat, but you could see Red Shoes looking at Ibushi's face as his neck was twisted completely sideways down on the mat. And he was like, nope, this is it. Ibushi can't do anything. He can't get out. There's no place for him to go. And Red Shoes stopped the match and awarded the victory to Zack Sabre Jr. I think it was kind of a surprising finish. Not so much for me that Zack Sabre Jr. won, but how he won. I don't really see Ibushi giving up. But to see the referee stop the match, it does add a lot for a potential rematch in the future, which I think is a great idea. And this match did go on for a while. It was over 20 minutes, and it built up really nicely with Zack Sabre Jr. going for increasingly aggressive submission attempts and being pulled out of those into some striking contest and a lot of strikes from Ibushi at different points in the match. So overall, I think, I know I've said this before, but I think this might be my favorite match of the tournament so far. I really liked the match that Sabre had with Naito as well, and I liked a lot of the other matches so far for different reasons, but I think that this was a good culmination of what we've seen so far, and it was actually a good culmination of Sabre and Obushi's match from the G1 last year, because they actually revisited some of the moves from that match and had some counters for what was going on from that one. So it was just good all around. I think this was a good final show of the quarterfinals for the New Japan Cup. But there will be little time to rest for any of the men still in the New Japan Cup tournament. And there will be little time to rest for me as I am going to watch night 7 of the New Japan Cup tournament. And I hope you come back to join me. Of course, you can find these mini episodes covering the entirety of New Japan Pro Wrestling's New Japan Cup 2018 on cnjradio.com. cnjradio.com is the home of the Wrestling House Show where we have all of these mini episodes, the regular monthly wrap-up episodes of current, mostly WWE-centric pro wrestling, and of course our retro reviews, which we will be putting out increasingly over the next few months. And also on cnjradio.com is the home of the family of CNJ Radio Network podcast, including Joey's Rock Strikes 10, the show always guaranteed to give you 10 songs, no more, no less, Randy Brown's The Synaptic, a true alternative, and of course my last theater on the left, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Go to cnjradio.com for all of those and find us through the .com for our Facebook and Twitter and all of our social media. Get in contact with us through there because that is the quickest and easiest way to let us know what you think about everything we do. But until next time, I'm going to go watch some more wrestling and I will talk to you later. Bye.